Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Welcome to another edition of Leadership Matters, a show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall, and I'll serve as the moderator of our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative. We work together to help organizations to strengthen and transform themselves to help them to ensure a more successful future. I'm pleased to have with me today three wonderful guests who are here the Intergenerational Initiative at the Alliance. Now, Emily Merritt, who's also going to serve as our guest panelist today, she works with the Alliance and serves as the Director of Intergenerational Initiatives. And Jane Bavineau, who is Vice President of Health and Wellness for Baker Ripley in Houston, Texas, she's our second guest. And Cindy Arakaki, the HR Operations Manual for Ma- Manager for Child and Family Services in Hawaii, is our third guest. Welcome to all of you. Thanks so much for agreeing to come together and report on your exciting work together. Let's start with Emily. You're the director of the Alliance's Second Act for a Strong Communities Initiative. Why don't you tell us why you believe focusing on age-inclusive intergenerational approaches is particularly relevant and important now. Sure. Thanks, Tom. Um, Well, I think anyone working in the nonprofit sector and really sectors beyond are fully aware of the changing dynamics um, demographically right now. So this is the first time ever we've had five different generations working together in our workforce. Um, A lot of... uh, with a number of unique dynamics within those five generations. We know that boomers want and need to work longer. We have more millennials in the workforce than ever before, and we've got Generation Z coming right behind them. So um, even for organizations that have a lot of different aged people on their teams, there's really a critical need to make sure that you're building environments where people feel heard, where they feel connected, respected, and understood. So we at the, at the Alliance really believe that this work um, ends up being a key retention and engagement strategy for nonprofits. Um, we really see this as being a part of broader equity, diversity, and inclusion efforts. Um, and I would just add on, really from kind of a programmatic standpoint, Now is the time to look at intergenerational models. We're at risk of um, a lot of people really being isolated. And so anytime you can bring people together to feel better, to increase confidence, to feel better health and wellness outcomes, this is meaningful work. We've got an opportunity where older adults are assets and they have solutions and energy to give to their community. And we've got youth in all of our youth-serving programs that really could use additional layers of support and mentorship. So uh, we believe this is the key strategy to really building a stronger community and ultimately a strategy to end ageism and bias that exists. Wonderful. Wonderful topics. Gosh, it's going to be fun exploring those with you during the course of this show. Jane, how did Baker Ripley get into this work? Um, well, you know, I'd like to say it's because we were, like, ever so thoughtful and strategic and had all of these great notions um, kind of throw, uh, flowing through our organization that Emily just um, described, but, but that's really not at all how we got started. We got started because I got a call from the Intergenerational Institute at Temple University who was looking for programs across the country that wanted to um, learn more about doing intergenerational work and we were a, a Baker Ripley is a very large community development organization, so we have youth programs and we have senior programs and we've got community centers and we've got a charter school district. And so we had all of these elements. And when this person said, well, you know, would you like to you know, be involved in this intergenerational work, I thought, well, 
sure, because this is going to be easy because we've, we do it all the time, we're all together, this is, this is kind of the way it flows. And the truth is it really doesn't happen just because you have all of these populations in your midst. It really takes a lot of work. So we, um, you know, so we started out with this, like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll just go along with this kind of um, easy, relatively quick kind of work. And hmm. the truth is over time, as we learned about the importance of intention and the kind of thoughtfulness that it takes to really have impact and results when you put these population groups together. It really became a really key strategy for the organization, and and I think that that's why other organizations should take a look at what's in it for them, kind of the why, so to speak, of why they would um, want to do something like this, because for us it became the organization had a very broad mission around integrating programs across these various um, silos that we were operating in. And so, you know, I thought, well, okay, then I've got a solution for that. We're going to implement these intergenerational programs and begin the process of integration. So so it kind of started as a what I thought was going to be a slam dunk, easy, you know, added to our list of accomplishments, and it turned out to be quite a critical strategy in our efforts to really bring our departments and our programs together in unique ways. So it's been, um, it's been a learning journey for sure. Well, a lot of people say that if it's easy, then it really probably isn't going to change the culture. But right. the level of complexity uh, contributes to cultural adaptation. Have you found that, Jane? Well, surely, and that's that's been the biggest part of it. I think, first of all, we've set an example of how it can be done inside the organization because that was the challenge at first, right? We thought, well, no, this is how we function. This is how we do it. And so it began by having these programs began to show people that there was a way to do things differently and, to, quite frankly, and to have impact in ways that we never imagined. And that became the other kind of ultimate benefit was that we have measurable outcomes related to the well-being of older adults and these kids as they participated. So, yeah, it it takes time, and it doesn't happen all by itself. It takes a lot of work, but it does matter ultimately. Outstanding. Cindy, what do you see as the benefits and opportunities for nonprofits to develop age-inclusive intergenerational environments within their workplace? That's a really good question. Um, You know, something... For Child and Family Service, what we have to do is look at really what are we wanting out of this and what does the community need. So same like Jane, I mean, the discovery was um, trying to fill a need of what's going on in our direct community. And um, we actually took a step back to look at what, what are the benefits and not just make the traditional assumptions of what volunteerism is or what a work environment would look like. Um, specifically with this population, they already have discovered what they want to do, what they don't want to do. Um, and part of our, um, our small groups was really about finding that they were very direct in what kind of impact they wanted to make at this time in their life. So by taking that step back, reviewing and asking those hard questions, um, the benefit came out that the wealth of knowledge that an individual wanted to give and to receive was still very relevant across the generations. So the younger generation was asking to be fed the knowledge. The existing generation didn't have that, but the um, seasoned generation did have it. So one of the benefits was putting people in the right places to share the knowledge accordingly. So we, we call our generation kupuna, as in grandparents, um, and that's mm-hmm. where we go from kapuna to keiki or twinkle to wrinkle. How are we engaging with our community in a whole to ensure that the stories, the history has been shared down the, down the generations and up? Likewise, we have four to five generations living in one household, a single family house, out of necessity of child care or even elder care. So that's where we came alongside as how can we help you um, come out of the home and be in community and meet the need of the larger community. So the benefits at the end of the day really was gathering people together to be in community, um, like reading books to Keiki or um, the kupuna just sitting around talking story of olden days. So that's been Mm -hmm. super helpful for us, yeah, to have a win-win Fantastic. Now, both of you have been learning 
about the importance of ageism and age-inclusive and intergenerational issues with those you're seeking to serve within your organizations, with the staff that you're working with around these issues, but you've also been serving as members of a learning cohort uh, within the Alliance. And Cindy, maybe I could start with you and just ask what have been the benefits of being a part of a learning uh, learning cohort that's focused on age-inclusive intergenerational issues? Yeah, that's, I mean, where do you begin with that type of question? Any cohort is, um, are you going to take away a lot of gems? Um, So I joined the cohort um, more directly just in the last three months. And Mm -hmm. um, I have to say that, you know, really a big thanks goes out to Emily and her team and the Alliance for putting something like this together because we've developed in a very short time some very intentional programming ways to meet the community. So um, without the alliance, you know, something like this would not have happened. But being part of the cohort really is being able to share and glean from each other um, past practices, what works, what doesn't work. So some of our previous year's um, intentions of thinking we're doing something right, we learned in the cohort group that that didn't w- work very well. The measurables were not, um, were not there or we learned how to tweak some of our functionalities or sharing our messaging so that it would be more fruitful. And uh, I have to say, like, we are located in Hawaii, so just being part of that helps us be closer um, to, to the larger community on the, on the uh, mainland. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Jane, what's been uh, valuable to you about being a part of the learning cohort? Um, well, you know, I would echo a lot of what Cindy said. I think it's really about the shared learning, right, and the opportunity to actually talk and engage with other people trying to do the same work. You know, we pride ourselves in doing lots of research on best practices and evidence-based programs um, before we start anything. And you can read all kinds of literature and look at all kinds of websites about best practices, but it's quite different when you actually have the opportunity to be talking with this, I mean, over a three-year period of time, so it's not like you just talk to them folks once, right? You actually create relationship among yourselves that allows you to Mm -hmm. share, and quite frankly, share honestly, because um, um, we did some things pretty that we wouldn't do again, and um, (laughs) it was nice to have a group of people that you could just share that with, and they could quite frankly understand, because they had stumbled through similar issues as well. So I think it's, I think it's just having the support and the knowledge and the experience um, and the relationships that's really beneficial. Wonderful. Well, let's stick with some of those thoughts. We'll come right back to it, but we need to take a short break. We'll be right back. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. 
Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me are Emily Merritt, Jane Bavano, and Cindy Arakaki. In the last segment, we heard a bit about the value of focusing on age inclusion and intergenerational approaches. And in this segment, I'd like to talk with Jane, the VP of Health and Wellness at Baker Ridley. And Jane, can you give us an example of one specific age-inclusive intergenerational initiative effort that uh, your organization has pursued? And talk with us about what that was like from beginning, middle, and end. Um, okay. So, well, so we've actually had um, beginning, middle, and ends of several iterations of this, but I'm gonna, I'll choose the um, program that we are um, now calling Excavating Wisdom, and I, I choose it Great. because it really is kind of demonstrates the epitome of how these programs go, right? So we brought these. We, we have a community center. They've got a youth program in the summertime. We've got a senior center in that facility. So we, you know, we had this great idea. We'd bring these youth and these older people together. We'd lead them through some kind of um, le- lessons, life lessons, conversations. They'd, they'd end up writing poems. We'd have this great kind of poetry recital at the end. Well, None of that happened, um, and largely, I mean, there's a whole list of reasons for that. But <laughs> so the next iteration of that, we're like, okay, we have to get a little bit better at, um, you know, bringing the communication together. So the next iteration actually resulted in a group of young people, different group of young people, who interviewed and created a video of really some iconic historic um, African-American people in this community. It was fabulous. The video was fabulous. The insights that the older adults was fabulous. But it was a one-time event, and there was no relationship that got established between those groups. So we're like, okay, so this is still not working. First we were like a free-for-all, then we were a little bit too rigid, so now what are we going to do? So in this last iteration that just ended actually a couple of weeks ago, we um, brought this youth group together and these older adults that lived in a senior apartment complex, and they got together every week for a year, almost a year, a school year. And so that created opportunity actually for them to get to know each other, have conversations, and they too created videos of each other sharing some life lessons, but they were sharing it with somebody that they knew, that they cared about, that they were interested in, and it became a whole different kind of program. So excavating wisdom for us now will be more of that mode than the one-shot or the kind of free-for-all conversation. So um, that's... it. And that's really what it is. It's bringing them together to have a conversation about what's important to them, what's going on in their lives, what they can teach each other, and it was pretty priceless. Outstanding. Well, given that context, and you've given that one example, and I'm sure you have many more, and perhaps we'll have a chance to hear about another one or two, but what have been some of the most valuable learnings for you and your organization as Baker Ripley has worked in this space and on these issues? Well, I think some of the big, um, one of the biggest lessons is that there really are these variations on intergenerational programs, right? You can have one-off events at which you bring populations together and they can enjoy each other's company. But if you're looking to have true impact, then you really have to 
create programs that create this ongoing um, opportunity to engage with each other. So that was one of the things is that rather than, you know, feeling like we were a failure in those one-off events because we didn't, you know, have the kind of impact we wanted, it really is about understanding that there are iterations and variations of intergenerational programs and they all have benefit. It just, you have to be pretty clear about what you ultimately want to achieve. So that was... It was, took us a while to quit kind of beating ourselves up over some of the very, very initial work we did and to understand that it all has value um, in its own right. I also think that what others should think about, and it, it is not something that we did in the beginning, it just came this way, is that you can create your own programs like, like we did with Excavating Wisdom. It's a very long process. It takes lots of patience, lots of flexibility, and it took us three years to actually get to the end. Or mm-hmm. you can take a shell, a program off a shelf and replicate something that's already been tried and true, and we've been doing that with a pen pill program. So I think that was also an important lesson for us to think more um, strategically about this creating your own versus um, replicating something else. And then my final comment about it is that this is not easy work. Um, it is. It takes dedicated staff. It takes champions at every level. Things don't happen quickly. You've got to be flexible, and it takes commitment from many more people than you would traditionally have to worry about, right? You have to have commitment from the seniors, from the young people, from the sponsors of those groups, from the facilities that they meet in. I mean, and that we didn't, we quite frankly didn't see that coming either. So that was um, the other thing is that if you don't have the commitment organizationally and the staff to, de- to dedicate to the work, um, it's going to be a hard go. And, and it took us a while to get to that point too before we actually did dedicate staff to these projects. Jane, some folks have said that when you do a one-and-done, it's really about entertainment. But when you do something on an ongoing basis, it's about learning and change. What are your thoughts about that? Well, that's exactly what we saw, right? It's like they could, we, we would do these events, they would come together, they, you know, might have some conversation, but there was, um, there was no relationship developed, and the conversations were pretty superficial. If you create the space that gives, allows people to actually get to know these other human beings, that's when you mm-hmm. see change on both sides. And so, yeah, what you said is exactly right. How about talking about some of the other challenges that you have found about doing age-inclusive and intergenerational work? Well, probably the one of the biggest challenges that, and, and I, you know, we all have to kind of look at our own responsibility for some of this, is, is that it, you also should not assume that just because you have found a great older adult that wants to give time and do this work and you found a group of kids that want to do it, that you necessarily put the two right ingredients together. And so mm-hmm. some of the challenges for us in the beginning was we did not do a particularly good job of matching the skills and the passion of the older adults with the work that we needed done. And trying to force that was, uh, it, quite frankly, it did not work. And so it was, um, it was significant and, quite frankly, many times painful. Um, but it, it, so the, the challenge was really around finding the right match um, for what you need and what they are interested. I think actually because of what Cindy was saying about what they're really interested in doing. Um, the other thing is that, that we learned is, and the other challenge in, is that it never goes as you think, right? So nothing ever goes as planned, <laughs> yes. and that's not a bad thing. You have to decide. I mean, and, and it's so interesting in the, just in terms of staffing. I mean, I'm like a, you know, let's get it right kind of person, and, the, and the, my staff person who is um, actually running these programs, he is much more flexible. He's much more patient. He's much, really comfortable with allowing things to be organic, and I'm like, we don't do organic we do plans. You have to follow the plan. Well, nothing goes according to the plan, so eventually you have to kind of abandon um, that idea. Um, and, then it, and then, quite frankly, it takes a lot of staff time. I mean, these programs do not happen by themselves, and they really do take a driver, and, and they take somebody who is diligently focused. At least that's been our experience. And so oftentimes I think people can do this work in their spare time, and that's just not true. What are some of the pitfalls that you have encountered that because of your three years' experience working in this area now, you could say to other folks, man, don't be doing this. Well, I think it kind of goes back to some of what I was saying before. I think there are truly, um, yeah, don't assume that 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 you've got magic just because you found 
the populations that you want to serve. Do, um, do not think that you have to be so rigid. It's really a lot about patience, flexibility, willingness to live and learn, um, and, you know, kind of accepting what you um, have accomplished is valuable regardless of whether or not it's what you started out thinking um, was going to be the end product. So how about something that you may have learned through this process because of a mistake that you made that, quite frankly, you might not have learned if you hadn't made that mistake? Well, and I would go back, I mean, truly, that would go back to the whole kind of concept of who you match, right? So the first um, fellow that we, um, that we brought on to, to do this work was someone who... Um, whose life experience had been he was in charge. He ran a church, he ran his programs, he did his thing, and um, he wasn't fond of having someone tell him what to do, particularly not a younger person. So (laughs) there it was um, incredibly difficult to, um, to get the work that we needed done with this person, and there wasn't anything wrong with the person. I just didn't do a good job of kind of screening in the beginning to realize it. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Jane. We have to take a short break now, but please stay with us. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me are Emily Merritt, Jane Bavanel, and Cindy Arakaki. In the last segment, we were talking with Jane about what she did to help initiate intergenerational approaches at Baker Ripley. In this segment, I'd like to talk with Cindy Arakaki. Cindy, what are one or two very specific things that you did within your organization to help to establish a more intergenerational environment? 
Yeah, that's a, such a great question. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that um, we did was have meetings with our leadership team so that we had the buy-in and the support from the key players that were in, involved. And um, it wasn't an easy process, but a few meetings that needed to happen for clarity and understanding and really developing some um, goal plans with them as to what this would um, what the requirements were and what, what did we want to achieve, what were, what were going to be our results out of it. And, um, you know, it wasn't a hard process for us because how we serve our community is um, in full circle, meaning the, the twinkle to wrinkle mentality. And so once we got that leadership buy-in, it really was how are we going to involve the rest of the community. So the second thing we did was really create a few committees of people that were employees, uh, the community leaders, and the volunteers that were around us. And um, the two committees were really strategically planned. One was a development committee, and the other one was specifically on intergenerational to make sure that um, we were having the diverse conversations and it was being woven into each context of launching different programs within our existing programs within our organization and then creating new ones to come alongside. So that's been, um, it's still going on. We're still building more champions in that. And um, we're letting it, (laughs) to use uh, Jane's word, organic. (laughs) You know, this is an organic process. It, um, it, and it's still flowing out. So those are really the two specific things that we believe is going to take us to the next level. Beautiful. You know, when, when Emily was giving the introduction uh, in the very first segment, she was talking about how this is a really important issue for nonprofits to consider because there's so many implications behind really looking at uh, intergenerational issues. And can you talk a little bit more and give a little depth to that little introduction that Emily gave about, well, why should we be worried about this? Why should we be spending time and energy working on these issues? Yeah, you know, um, there's such a wealth of knowledge that we're losing within the workforce itself. And people are retiring, um, you know, a lot later, and some are retiring a lot earlier. But there's a gap that's totally missing that we haven't addressed in the workplace and also in... um, in the community. So there are many people that are at home watching their TVs um, after retirement age and just twiddling their thumbs. And the real question becomes is, what are we doing with and helping those people? Because their children are the ones who are saying, my, my mother or father is not engaged. They're using, losing their cognitive skills, um, you know, and it's causing a hardship on um, other family members. Here, nonprofits have an opportunity to really look at that. I mean, depending on where your scope of um, resource is at, is to reach out into the community. So we do have um, part of our volunteers walking in the community, going to the McDonald's, you know, and talking to the people that are there, um, going to where people are, are already congregating and or calling them into a meeting place to start the conversation because without, we were built for relationships, you know, and if people are being stuck in their homes or um, with non-communication for eight hours a day because the rest of the family is out, you know, this mm-hmm. is where we can come in and help that, um, uh, take some time, time, put some time into their day that is meaningful, that provides a purpose for them. Um, everybody has a skill, be it that they have a generous smile, they have the ability to type a report, or even to just tell a story. You know, there's value mm-hmm. in history in each person, and um, I'm hoping more people can come alongside to see that versus just a task skill of sure. um, finding ways to engage people. Well, you, you have just really begun uh, to work on this, but the beauty of getting you to talk about this in the early stage is that you can really offer thoughts to organizations that are just getting started. You know, what mm-hmm. might they want to consider 
as the questions that they want to take, for example, to their staff so that they can come to begin to understand the importance of this. You know, what should folks do to jumpstart this process and and get it started from a conversational level with their staff? You know, one thing, um, Karen Tan, our president and CEO, you know, one of her coined phrases is, the work is hard enough, let's make the everyday environment easy. You know, so one of the questions we did take to our staff was, what, the 80, asking them the 80-20 rule, like what is the things that you don't need to do? You know, is it filing the papers? What is it? Or what would you dream about to, to make your program run better? And um, gleaning that type of information to, to understand how our team can come along and support or develop a, a, a new program for them was really important. And then the other part was looking at what is, um, how can we, you know, really affect the community directly and what is the need within our direct community? So every community, every city is a little different. So, you, you know, really investigating what is that. So here in our EVA area, it was the keiki, the, the, the children. The, we were looking for the kupuna to read to them you know, reading with mm-hmm. them at the library or um, playing toys while mom is in counseling. Uh, we needed, that was a very big need that um, we were able to come alongside with some volunteers and say, would you mind spending an hour, you know, in our um, family center in order to give mom that peace of mind to have her counseling time um, and have her child feel confident that they're cared for. And... um that, it was Beautiful. an easy thing for us to do. What would you uh, offer to folks as a, an example or two of maybe something that you did in the early stages of getting this started that you might have done in a different way if you had it to do over again? <laughs> you know, Jane mentioned um, the variations of launching a program, and we actually learned from their their. Um, their rollouts of how to do it better for us. And one of the things that we did was to make sure that we kept things simple. And Correct. we used the SMART goals to create things mm-hmm. that were not too big for people to, to jump into. So, you know, just keeping things really simple, you know, reading to a keiki, um, providing, um, providing a simple service of um, maybe it's just car washing together, you know, whatever it was, um, you got to start somewhere and don't try to create mm-hmm. such a big program. You know, um, start small and simple and it'll all work out. Well, what other things have you taken away from the cohort? You, you mentioned uh, an idea from Baker Ridley. And what mm-hmm. other ideas have you taken from the cohort and taken back to your organization and said, we really want to consider this. We really want to try this. Can you share a few of those mm-hmm. things that you've taken back from the cohort? Yeah, so um, one of them really was the um, pen pal idea um, that was shared in the cohort. And it was really interesting because we have an alternative school on site and um, the, the kids can be here from one year or three months up to one year. And um, although they're going to school here, we focus on their behavior skills and interactive skills. So um, that was one piece that uh, was shared within the cohort that we thought that would be really great to have those high school students and middle school students have an extra friend that is not a required person to be in their life. So it's not one of their teachers, it's not one of their parents, but somebody who's going to be... Um, a supporter that's outside, and um, they, they're starting to launch in the, in the new school year, and um, we feel like that's going to be a great success to come alongside. In addition to that, these um, pen pals are the ones that are actually going to be going into the school to share, you know, how to balance a checkbook, how to cook eggs, um, some life skills teachings as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's going to be the important part for us that. Um, the, the, this new generation is going to have that touch back to learn from these kupuna, these 
these um, grandparents' feelings. Well, tell me, what are the, some of the things that the grandparents enjoy doing the most with younger folks? It's the impartation, um, being able to share um, what they brought up. And the discovery with a lot of the grandparents were they were so surprised how little interaction these, um, these students were ha- not having with their biological parents or, you know, the adults in their life. So it was a win-win because it was a new experience on both sides. Um, Mm -hmm. Real quick story, one of the funny things is some of these students are teaching their mentor how to use a cell phone, you know, how to do Instagram. So it it goes both ways in these kinds of things, and that's where we really wanted to make sure that it was a reciprocal relationship, not just a one-way, like, the older person was going to be able to tell tell them what to do. You know, mm-hmm. we have too many people telling us what is right and wrong in life. It's like, where yeah. do we have the time to be curious and grow our own selves? So we, we really are trying to broaden or open that door for the young minds and the older minds to have a space to just play. Good thoughts, Cindy. Good. We have to take another short break, but stay with us. We'll be right back, and we have more to share. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me are Emily Merritt, Jane Bavineau, and Cindy Arakaki. In the last segment, we were discussing the benefits of and approaches to creating a more age-inclusive intergenerational environment with Cindy. And in this final segment, we're going to hear a few final thoughts from Emily and Jane and Cindy. Emily, what have been the most significant insights that your learning cohort have discovered during your time of working with this group? 
Wow. Well, it's it's a, a challenge to sum up, but we've we've learned a lot together over the last three years. So I would say number one um, is to remember that there are lots of ways to approach this work. So some people can think about it through the lens of your workforce. How are different generations coming together and being welcomed and engaging together? As you heard from Cindy and um, Jane, you can also apply a community lens. So for nonprofits, thinking about the community-based programs they run and thinking about what are those opportunities to better connect generations rather than serve them in a siloed manner. Um, you can also be thinking about it in terms of physical space, you know, and the, and the culture, the feeling inside of an organization. So, you know, what are the ways that you acknowledge um, individual generations? How do you tap each generation through an asset-based asset lens? Um, so, in short, there's no one way to do this work. What's most important, I think, is for nonprofits to really identify where can meaningful change um, occur in your organization and what's going to be most impactful. So that's really the biggest thing. Um, a couple other quick lessons learned, I think we've all agreed, is there's great value in starting small Really rally your champions. Find people that are passionate about the work and ready to kind of jump in and navigate this path ahead. Um, and, you know, build upon assets in place so you don't need to be starting from scratch. It's really important to think about what do you have in place that can serve as an asset to building this work. Um, another huge lesson learned is the value of trial and error. you got to be willing to jump in and give something a try, but then take the time to reflect, get feedback, make pivots, refine, and try it again. We've seen a lot of that throughout the three-year initiative. People really, um, you know, being experimental and knowing it's okay to fail, but we got to go back and try and do it again better next time. I think that's critical. Um, one other thing I would highlight is... When you think about building intergenerational relationships, how critically important it is to really think about um, this reciprocal, bi-directional nature of things. It's so common, you know, it's kind of an old school model to think about the knowledgeable, wise, older adult providing guidance to the youth. That mm -hmm. is incredibly important and absolutely Valuable, but we also must think about how do you set up programs, how do you set up relationships um, that really allow the youth to also have a voice and to Absolutely. teach and share. I think we we've learned a lot about that. That it must be of mutual benefit to any parties involved. Um, you know, at the end of the day, this work is about creating connection and purpose and opportunities to learn for all of us, regardless of the environment or our mission or what we're all here to do. It's really kind of always coming back to that core place of how do we as service providers um, help create opportunities for people to bring their truest selves, their strengths, their assets, and, and put it to use in a way that benefits other people. Beautiful. Beautiful. Jane, what have been the most identifiable benefits to your participants and to your organization as a result of being a part of exploring uh, age inclusiveness and intergenerational approaches? Well, I think that it's what's been fascinating to me about all of this is that um, so you can have a benefit like producing a video that you're able to put in social media and you get a lot of people kind of drawing attention to your work in your organization, and that's a concrete benefit, and you can have these surveys that, you know, tell you that, you know, pe the people that participated enjoyed it. But the part that, you know, Tom, that I've been really working on and thinking about a lot is that how do we quantify some of the things that you can't see, right? 
So you, Good. you know, how do you quantify a senior's face lighting up when they're telling their story? Or, you know, I, I get this dinner that we had two weeks ago. How do you measure the benefit of a young kid crying because, you know, they love their grandma, right? So those... Yeah. Those benefits, you're like, if you're part of it, you, you know it, you feel it, but uh, we got to figure out how to package that up or talk about it in a way that gets a different kind of attention because it's not just feel-good work. It's deep and meaningful work, and, and it's some of the things that give you the evidence of that are pretty hard to, you know, put in a box or put on a survey or, you know, put in a, some kind of a report at the end. Um, so I, that's, that's really, and when I think about benefits uh, and the benefits to participants, that's the kind of stuff that I percolate on a lot and try to figure out how we get to it. And from an organizational standpoint, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty kind of standard stuff, right? We had goals around integration of programs, the goals around breaking down silos within the organization. This program, these programs did that. I gave, it, gave everyone an example of how you could do it. Um, it also, quite frankly, in the city the size of Houston, you would think there would be, you know, many organizations doing this. There is, there is not. Other, many other organizations, I actually can't think of any, that are doing mm-hmm. the kind of intentional intergenerational work. So benefit to the organization, puts us in a unique position, allows us to talk about things that we're doing that no one else is, just kind of creates your own um, you know, value in its own right. And then I guess I would say also the whole idea around the outcomes. There are things you can measure. You can get people to tell you what the impact has been. And so we, want, we organizationally are very proud of the of the being outcomes driven and data driven and so it also gave us that so it fed the it fed the big um, you know hierarchy of the organization on its level but really where the power was is in the people that were part of those programs fantastic Cindy what's the most important thing that you've learned about developing more age inclusive and intergenerational approaches what is the one thing you know mm-hmm. I think the the big thing for me was that to know that you're not alone. You know, there's so many resources out there that you can tap for information, even for encouragement. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to the Alliance. They, they have a wealth of knowledge. I keep saying that because it seems to be, like, the biggest area that people have a fear to enter into, but you just mm-hmm. have to start somewhere. You know, um, we all know somebody who can get engaged or is not engaged, but it's not hard to just start somewhere. You know, my encouragement really is to be a pioneer and just do something, you know, Um, be curious, just call people together. Um, You know, really, you you know, we we joke here and we say, where's your tribe? <laughs> Who are you people? <laughs> where, where are you going? Unfortunately, <laughs> that's all we have time for today. We offer our thanks to Emily Merritt and Jane Bavino and Cindy Arakaki for joining us today. Please tune in again next time when we'll offer another segment of Leadership Matters. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.